Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all okay and well. Good morning if you're new and joining us here this morning for the first time. Uh, I just wanted to say a big thank you to those who've been praying for us. I'm feeling much better than I was, so I really appreciate your prayers. Thank you very much. Um, as always, before we come to the Word of God, it's important that we just prepare our hearts. So we're just going to quickly pray now and just remind ourselves that this is all about Jesus. This is for Jesus. Uh, so if you'd just like to bow your heads with me. Lord God, gracious and merciful are you, Father. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for the privilege it is to come and just worship you, to just spend time in your word and worship you this morning, Jesus. Lord, as your people together, we just want to say that we love you, that we give you the glory that your name deserves, Lord Jesus. Lord, prepare our hearts this morning as we listen to your word, Father God. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Humble us where we need to be humbled, Lord God. And most importantly, let's just have a greater understanding of how good you are, Father God. Amen. So I hope that you're well and that you are keeping safe at this time. I'm part of the team here at Freedom Church. My name's Andy. Uh, and if you're not aware, we are currently working through the book of Acts. So I always like to just start with a quick, brief reminder, a recap of the books that we're studying. Um, so Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, and it follows events after Jesus's death and ascension into heaven. And, and at the heart of Acts, what we see is that the gospel is taken out and spread to the surrounding towns, cities and nations. And Acts is a brilliant read. If you've never read it before, I'd really encourage you to. Within Acts so far, we've seen the disciples spread the gospel. The early church emerge. We've seen miracles and healings. The Holy Spirit come down and key people emerge within this book. Uh, and one of those people is Paul, who was formerly known as Saul. And he had a miraculous encounter with Jesus on his way to imprison Christians. And he subsequently became a believer and began to spread the gospel. Now, last week, Paul Jackson explored Acts 17 for us, where Paul, on his way to spread the gospel, arrived in Athens. Here, Paul addressed the Athenians, arguing for God and reasoning with them that their unknown God was actually. Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we're going to be moving on to the next section that we're going to be studying today, which is Acts 18. Now, before we read the whole passage and we start to unpick it, I just want to read the first verse of Acts 18, verse 1, which really sets the scene for us this morning. And Acts 18, verse 1 says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Paul so far has travelled to Damascus, Jerusalem, Cyprus, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Antioch, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and now he's in Corinth. And the question we have is why? Why was he travelling? Quite simply, he loved the gospel. He had experienced undeserved forgiveness when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Scripture tells us countless times of God's character and heart. Psalm 86 verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, 
are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Psalm 145, 8 to 9 tells us that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. What a beautiful piece of scripture. And one of the most well-known pieces of scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God's mercies are freely available to all who call upon his name. Paul was a, a religious zealot. He oversaw and approved of Stephen's murder. He passionately chased down God's people, threw them into prison. And for many, that was death. If anyone was undeserving, Paul was that man. And here in Paul's story and throughout scripture, we see the scandal and the beauty of the gospel. People who the world think are undeserving, Jesus sees as deserving. Those with a muddy past, I'm one of them, are still welcome. Those who have been far from God are still loved. To quote a famous song, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's turned upside down. Matthew 19.30 tells us that the first will be last and the last will be first. This is the beauty of the gospel. And Paul knew this. We see this in some of Paul's writings in his words. In his address in Acts 22, verse 4 to 5, he tells others, I worked hard and killed men and women who believed. But it's this realisation that drove him to want to go and spread the gospel. He had experienced undeserving forgiveness. And he wanted to tell anyone and everyone about it. Here was a man who was once far from God, who hated Christians, now telling others about him. And before we go any further, it's just important that we reflect on that. God's goodness, God's mercy, God's love, Sometimes these simple things, if we've been Christians for years, we've heard a, a thousand times and can sometimes get overlooked or forgotten. But they are so important. Paul was driven to share the gospel out of his love for Jesus. Once a sinner, now a son. This is the context of what is happening here. This is why he travelled to towns, cities, nations, because he, he had to tell the people about the mercy of Jesus, the love and forgiveness that comes at the throne of Jesus. And as I was preparing this, I was challenged by this. And my question is, do we love Jesus? Do we truly love him? Do we realise that whilst we were still sinners, Christ, Christ 
came down and died for us. That his mercies are new for us every day. And the best of all, we've done nothing to deserve it. And that, in essence, is the gospel in its simplest form. And what wonderful news that is. And when we reflect on that, when we say that, and if we truly understand it, we can't help but be like Paul and want to share it with those around us. Though you might be sat there thinking, that sounds easy. But practically, this isn't always easy. And Paul heading to Corinth was to share the gospel was, was not an easy task. Corinth had a population of approximately 200,000 people at the time. It was a city where traders and merchants would come. It had a port, a strategic port there, and they would stop on their way to different destinations. Strategically, this was an excellent place to share the gospel. It could be shared to merchants. The gospel would be spread out and sent throughout the empire. Again, it sounds great. What an opportunity. However, it wasn't quite that simple. Corinth also had a well-known reputation because people were coming and going constantly. It was a, a mishmash of different religions, ideas, philosophies and beliefs. The usual rule book here for law and order was well and truly thrown out of the window in Corinth. It's documented that this city was well known for its immorality. The old city, before the Romans destroyed it, had a temple called the Temple of Aphrodite, where 1,000 prostitutes were available to worshippers who came. Corinth was so well known as an immoral place. It was known as Corinthia's Amai, which translates as to practice fornication. Paul was well and truly going into a tough place, the lion's den here. And actually, I quite like this. I find this reassuring. It's quite easy sometimes to sit and, and read the stories where Paul and others go and share the gospel and thousands of people give their lives to Christ in, in a moment. But for most of us, that isn't the reality of how we share the gospel. It's in those smaller settings. Sometimes they feel daunting. Sometimes people are hostile. Sometimes we worry what people might say, whether they'll think we're strange or a bit weird. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. And as we unpick what's happening here with Paul in Corinth, we can receive great encouragement and learn a lot from him. When we look at Paul's experiences of sharing the gospel, it wasn't always daisy chains, summery fields and rejoicing. His letter to the church in Corinthians tells us this. 2 Corinthians 11.25 says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. 
Not the greatest bit of scripture for those who are looking to church plant, maybe not, hey? But spreading the gospel comes at a cost. Sometimes emotionally. Sometimes mentally. As Paul experienced, sometimes even physically. Paul knew this more than anyone. Imagine what his body would have been like after that. But if we truly love God, if we truly value the gospel and we realise what he has done for us, then we can't help but share it. Let's continue reading. Back in Acts 18, he found a Jew named Aquia, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he went to stay with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Here we see God's heart for Paul. Paul, by all accounts that we can gather, travelled to Corinth alone on this occasion. Bear in mind what he was travelling into. This must have been a daunting prospect for Paul. He could have been like Jonah and, and tried to reason with God, tried to argue his way out. But he knew what God had called him to do, to take the gospel. And he remained obedient to Christ. And often when we feel God is calling us to share the gospel with people, we can reason ourselves out of it. It's easy to do sometimes. Some of the ways we might do that, we might think, I just don't want to. But if that's our response, I would question whether we, we truly realise what Christ has done for us on that cross. The saviour of the world came down, gave his life for me, for you. Often we don't want to tell people about Christ because of how it might impact us. But actually this, the gospel goes way above how I feel. It's about sharing with other people the freedom that we have experienced with Christ. And we can't be half-hearted about this. Just imagine if the person who shared the gospel with us was half-hearted. We might not be here now. Amid all that's going on here, amid all the, 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 the chaos and, and the confusion, we have a unique opportunity to share the gospel with people. Many churches, I was looking at a study this week, many churches have seen inquiries, for, for example, Alpha double since the coronavirus struck. We've seen Bible sales surge. People are looking for an answer. People are questioning. And we have the answer. Let's be quick to share the hope we have in Jesus Christ with those around us. One of the other ways we might try and reason ourselves out of, of sharing or talking about God is that we simply think that we can't. That's self-doubt. We look at famous preachers and think that we're nothing like them. We look at other people in church, maybe, and think that they are maybe better at it than we are. 
or we might just think that we're not very good at it. But here we can take great encouragement from Paul's own words. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul himself acknowledges that he isn't the most skilled teacher. Yet, yet God used him powerfully. Paul was, was simply obedient, spent time with Christ and he knew his word. So he was prepared to share the gospel. As I was praying and preparing uh, for this this week, I'd really felt that that idea of self-doubt can cripple people. The idea of feeling insignificant, but actually, you are important. God values you. Scripture tells us in Jeremiah 1.5 that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. You are known to God. Just take a moment with that. God knows you sat in your house now. God has formed you. The billions of people on this planet and God knows you. Each and every one of us is known to God, whether we'll know it, like it or not. The Bible is full of men and women of God with different strengths and weaknesses that he uses to glorify his name. Be encouraged. You can. That's a lie that the enemy sows over you. You can. As I was preparing this, I was thinking of, of what that might look like for people. And it would be useful to share some examples of what that might look like. Um, and me and Han were just chatting and we were just reminded of a couple of people that we know of, of people who think that they can't. And just to share how they, they actually do. We've got a very good friend of ours who we've known for many years um, and she's on her own and um, she's not one who likes to stand up and the idea of doing this and talking in front of people would make her cringe to be honest she's not one who likes to be in the public eye but she loves God and so how she shares the gospel is with a person at a time and and a wrangle this we can just ask give me an example of how you do that you don't feel confident talking to large groups and she said well God really challenged me with my neighbours. So I said, oh, can you just tell me a little bit more? And she said, well, as I was praying one night, I had a real heart for my neighbour who lived next door. So I prayed. And I prayed to God, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And, and she made a conscious effort whenever she saw her neighbour to just go and say hello. Not to make it weird or strange, but just to simply say hello. And she said for the first 12 to 18 months, she found that the neighbour wasn't really receptive. She would happily do the, as we all know, the hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. See you later. But she didn't want to engage. But faithfully, she kept praying 18 months. Every day for a neighbour. And she found one day that as she was in the garden, in a front garden, um, her neighbour came and, and decided that she wanted a bit more of a long conversation, which she was skipping inside, she said. And she said to her, what have you been up to over the weekend? And she said, I went to church. And she waited and, and the, the neighbour kind of skipped over and moved on to the next thing. But she prayed, continued praying faithfully. Lord God, thank you for that opportunity. Give me more opportunities to share. And for the next six to 12 months, she, she had conversations and, and she found slowly but surely 
the neighbour would start to ask. And this is three years now it took. The neighbour would start to, to feel confident and safe to engage in discussions. And then she said she got to the point where she felt that she had no other option now but, but to, to share the gospel with her. And so one day she went over and she knocked on and she asked how, how the neighbour was doing. And she just simply shared the gospel, terrified. <laughs> and she invited her to an alpha. And a neighbour, surprisingly, she said, agreed. She came to Alpha and gave her life to Jesus. And that wasn't a quick story. That was three years of faithful prayer. But she faithfully served how she felt God had called her to serve. And I was really encouraged by that. We know somebody else who really struggled with anxiety and the idea of, of going out in large groups terrified them. That was just not their thing. Uh, they really struggled. Even going outside was a, a real difficulty for them. But but they really wanted to remain faithful to the Lord and to serve God how they could with the skills that they had. So one of her friends who also struggled with anxiety, she spent time with her, just one on one going for walks. And, and slowly but surely, she was able to, to build a friendship with her. A real deep friendship where you could talk about things openly and honestly. And faith naturally came into the conversation. And six months later, that friend gave her life to Jesus. And again, these are these are the real life stories, aren't they? You know, many of us won't go to a city and, and preach the gospel and see 10,000 saved. It might be those ones and twos, maybe more. But actually, we're to be encouraged that God uses the skills that we have, whether we feel we have them or not. God will use them to glorify himself and to build his kingdom. Finally, just, just one last story. I love this story um, of, of one of our good friends uh, in a church that we attended um, about seven or eight years ago. And she was a real prayer warrior and she couldn't get out much. And, and she, God had put on her heart a couple of people to pray and she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed some more for these people that she'd put on her heart, particularly one who she knew very well. And, and it took three, four, five years of prayer. And she said, Lord God, her prayer was, Lord, put somebody in a place to share the gospel with her. Five years of prayer. And what happened? God faithfully put somebody in a place and she gave her life to Jesus. God is good. God uses the loaves and fishes that we have, whatever they are. We just have to be prepared to have a go. Another way that we might reason ourselves out of sharing the gospel is the question of what if? Well, yeah, what if? But we can look at that one of two ways. What if they reject it? Yeah. But what happens if they say yes? Feed ourselves with scripture. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That nothing, rejection, can separate us from the love of God, Romans 3.8. When we share the gospel, yes, it can be daunting. But as we look how Paul shared the gospel here in Corinth, we can learn a lot. Firstly, he walked with integrity. He worked. This is significant. 
as we've explored already, Corinth was a hub of, of mixed morals and religious beliefs. It was a, a mishmash. And, and often what would happen is religious leaders, cult creators would, would come into cities like Corinth to gain followers and then live off them. And Paul here was actually making a statement. He was separating himself from them. By working, he was showing the people of Corinth that he could sustain himself. He wasn't asking to live off believers. This would have been very eye-opening for the people of the city at the time. That would have made people take note. And what I'm saying here is it's not the idea of working, but it's the principle behind it. Walking with integrity is one of the best witnesses that we have to people. For those of you who were around in the 90s, I don't know if you remember the famous rock band uh, DC Talk. You might remember them. Uh, Christian band. And, and at the start of one of their songs, they had a famous quote that read a, a phrase that really challenged me. I can remember being young and hearing that and, and it really challenged me. And it said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out of the door and deny him by the lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable and to this day that's challenged me people watch how we live people observe whether we are showing christ we need to be believers who walk with integrity and show christ in every every situation our walks are one of the greatest ways to show christ to people when we don't swear people notice when we don't have sex before marriage, people think we're a bit weird, but they ask. When we sacrificially love others, it generates intrigue. When we are honest, when it would be easier to lie, people take stock. Living lives of integrity is one of the most simple yet effective ways to start to share the gospel with people. And I'd really encourage you to surround yourself with people who encourage us to do that. I've got people who I, who I meet with, who, who I talk with, who hold me to account. And I'd really encourage you to find people that you can just talk with, be honest and open about your struggles and the things that you're finding easy and difficult and, and encourage one another to continue walking with an integrity that glorifies Christ. When we step out to show Christ to those around us, we also see God step in and help us. He is our sustainer. He is our father. He is our support. And we see the Lord doing this with Paul. We are told that he met a Jewish couple called Aquila and Priscilla, who were also leather workers. And from what we can gather, by all accounts, he hadn't met them before. And we're not 100% sure, I did some reading, and we're not 100% sure whether they were believers before meeting Paul. But what we do see is that the Lord provided support for Paul whilst in Corinth. Romans 16.3 tells us that they served him faithfully and even risked their lives for him. 
Acts 18, later on, um, tells us that they assisted him in Ephesus and they even hosted a church in their own home. Paul's meeting with them was not a chance. This was a divine appointment to support Paul to help spread the fame and glory of Jesus. So when we feel like we can't pray, when we feel like we can't share the gospel, when we feel that we can't do it, pray to the Father, our sustainer and comfort. When we feel that we haven't got the strength or we're embarrassed or we don't have the skills to be a witness, call upon him. He provides. Just remind yourselves of Paul's position here. Being called to share the city in a gospel known for its evil, in a city known for wickedness. Yet in his hour of need, in his time of need, God time and time again provided. We all face impossible tasks at times when it comes to sharing the gospel. Fear creeps in. People mock us, I've experienced that. They don't seem interested. The Lord might even call us to places where we don't want to go. But remind yourself, our God is the God who parted the sea. Our God is the God who provided manna in the desert. Our God is the God of the impossible. And that when we are weak, he is strong. When we don't have the right words, call to the spirit. He does. When we face a daunting prospect, he never leaves us or forsakes us. And as a church, we too can learn from Aquila and Priscilla. They supported Paul, encouraged him, helped him to further spread the gospel. And we too should be doing that for one another daily, praying for one another. Bringing one another up in prayer. When was the last time we did that? We spent time praying for members of the body. It's hard at times. We don't always see breakthrough when we want to. Often it's over a prolonged period of time. I've got friends that I've shared the gospel for uh, with for years and I've not seen any fruit yet. The great Charles Spurgeon once said that by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Sharing the gospel, living a Christian life is hard. I shared this in the same preaching, I've, I've, uh, in my last preach, sorry, and I really feel that God has put this on my heart. Let's continue to encourage one another. Ask each other, how are you getting on with your friend? How's it going sharing your gospel with the neighbours? Let's build one another up, care for one another, and most importantly, encourage one another to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Amen. And we see time and time again, after Paul began sharing the gospel, that the same thing happened. He met opposition. This happened in Berea and in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, sorry, Acts 17. And opposition in Berea and Thessalonica caused him to have to leave, whereas in Corinth it made him more determined to stay and get the gospel spread. Let's continue reading. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. 
And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptised. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Again, Spurgeon used to say that the devil never kicks a dead horse. And you will often find that when we step out and share the gospel, attacks come in in a range of forms to stop us and distract us. Whether it be a sudden issue that emerges, disunity, health attacks or other things. And Paul had such patience with those that constantly attacked him, something that we can learn from. The word in here is important. Paul, yes, spent time sharing the gospel, but he met opposition. It tells us that he shook his garments and said, your blood be on your own heads. And by saying this, it was a reference to Joshua too. By saying that their blood was on their heads, this meant that they were to blame for their own judgment. Paul had faithfully preached the gospel. They had chosen to reject it. He had tried to reason with them. He will have debated with them. He will have tried to show them how scripture pointed to Christ. But there comes a point where sometimes it's with a heavy heart, it's better to stop having pointless debates and and walk away and just spend time praying for them. I've got a very good friend who I've known since high school um, and he's just one of those people who loves an argument. You might know those type of people. <laughs> and and I went out for a meal. Um, oh, it must have been a long time ago now. Um, and we were sat and there was me and, and a group of five of my friends and this other friend. And, and as we were talking, he just suddenly out of the blue said, tell me about church. I can remember taking a bit off guard. I wasn't expecting that. He's never asked me really about, about church before. And, and I kind of had a sense in that there was something behind this. And, and as we were talking, it just kind of came apparent that he wasn't really interested. He just wanted a chance to just take the mick, to be honest. And I was sat there on my own trying to defend my faith with five other people laughing and this person having a pop every opportunity he got. And, and, and at one point, I just felt God saying, just stop. If someone isn't interested at the time, pray for them faithfully love them don't be discouraged their repentance might come at a later date i'm still praying for my friend you could have faithfully sown the seeds for for someone else to reap don't give up we are all called to the great commission in matthew 28 to spread the gospel Don't be discouraged if people don't respond uh, how we expect. Don't be discouraged if we meet resistance. We are simply called to sow the seeds. It's the Father who makes them grow. And to walk by faith, to share the gospel, 
to follow Jesus also means to see opportunities in the midst of opposition like Paul did too. There's an old saying that says, a pessimist only sees the problems. An optimist sees only the potential. But a realist sees the potential in the problems. Paul didn't ignore the dangers and problems he faced. He did, however, look for opportunities to share the gospel whenever they presented themselves. What a divine view that is. 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We will be mocked, worse for others. Francis Bacon once wrote that prosperity was a blessing of the Old Testament. Adversity is a blessing of the New Testament. Be encouraged, be quick to share and look at every opportunity with a divine view to share the gospel. God blesses us abundantly. God had a plan for Paul whilst he was there. He told him this in the vision that we've read. God also has a plan for you where you are with the people that you meet in your life. Paul tactically went and lived near the temple, gave him a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. Put yourselves in positions where you can share the gospel. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged when we feel things aren't working. Strive on and keep running. And finally, in, in verse 12 to 17, we see how the opposition to Paul's teaching began to grow. Verse 12 reads, but when Gallio was a proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be the judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. The arrival of the new proconsul gave the Jews their hope that the Romans may declare the Christian faith illegal. They broke the law by attacking Paul and, and forcing him to go. Being a Roman citizen came with certain privileges and Paul was ready to defend himself and his faith by trial. But the proconsul could see right through the intentions of the Jews. He didn't want to get embroiled in this, so he refused to try the case. But this wasn't the end. The Greeks who were witnessing the scenes got hold of Sosthenes, the man who replaced Crispus as ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the proconsul. Sounds terrible. It probably was to be there. But despite this, what I love about the end section of our scripture today is two things. The Jews tried to force the Roman proconsul to make Christianity illegal. But Galileo, uh, Galileo ended up actually doing the opposite and allowing them freedom to preach. By this decree, they now had as much right to preach as the other religions. 
God will always ensure his will is carried out. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Even in impossible situations, God will use these situations for his glory. We can take great comfort knowing that he will have the last word, that he watches over us, supports us, and ultimately he will be glorified. Take stock of of what we're seeing in the West where where freedom of speech is, is slowly being diminished where our rights and our our ability to share the gospel is starting to be challenged more and more. But take comfort. In the bad, God ensures that he is glorified. God's word will never be silenced. Amen. The second thing I love, just as we're finishing now, is when we pick a little bit deeper. The name Sosthenes is again mentioned later by Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.1. Now, if this is the same Sosthenes mentioned here, then he converted to Christ after what had happened. How did it happen? We're not sure, for definite. Perhaps after his beating, Paul visited him, shared the gospel. Perhaps the early believers cared for his wounds, the Christians in Corinth cared for him. What we do know is that what the enemy planned for evil, good came from it. Just as as I finish now, be encouraged that we have a privilege to know Christ. What a joy it is to know the beauty of forgiveness and freedom. Matthew 13, 44 to 46, we see Jesus tell the parable of a man who finds a hidden treasure. And with great joy, he went and sold all he had to buy the field it was in. Do we value the kingdom of God like a treasure? Do we hold our ultimate joy in it? Are we quick to share it with those around us? I firmly believe that when all of this quietens down, when the dust settles, there will be a great opportunity to share God with those around us. So my challenge is, are we ready? Are we ready, church? And I just want to just share with you, if if you don't know Christ, if you're watching or or listening, that if you don't know Christ, that the freedom that comes from Christ is like no other. I stand, sit here and I'm talking and, and there are many things that I've done in my past that if I was to, to talk about them, I would cringe, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. But that doesn't matter. Because when we truly come to Jesus with a heart of repentance and just simply say, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Clothe me in your robes of righteousness. Forgive me. Jesus hears and answers the call. Our God is good. Our God is great. Glory be to Jesus. Amen.